Yeah, so we have to do a little bit of rearranging then for the, just the two brothers at the back. Will you just move a little bit this way for me? Just a touch. Yeah, just a little bit, like, okay, a bit more than that, till you get on the sticker. You see the sticker? Yeah, that's it. And then Anas Rahman, just come a little bit forward for me. Just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Yeah, perfect, that's it. Now I can see all the kids who are in the class. And inshallah, it's going to be easy for us like that. Okay. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salama ala abdillahi wa rasulih nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. We always begin with what do we begin with? How do we start all of our classes? What do we start with? What did the Prophet Sallallahu used to start with? Every single time. Yes, Rahma. That was so quiet, I couldn't hear what you said. A lip read. Praising Allah, Alhamdulillah. Praising Allah and saying Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's where we always start our classes. And then when the second thing we always say, what do we always say after we say Alhamdulillah? We ask Allah to bless the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and to give the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam peace. We always begin like that. Why should we? Why, why do we? Why is it important for us to ask Allah to bless the Prophet and to give him peace? Why is that important? Yes, Habibi. Okay, I think that's good. I think what you were saying to me is that for all the Prophet did for us, he taught us everything. He taught us how to pray. He taught us how to be a good Muslim. So we have to show him respect, right? You have to show the Prophet You have to show respect. After everything that he did for you, we have to. We have to show that respect to our Prophet and to all of the Prophets and the Messengers. Okay. That being said, we are now on our one, two, three, third, fourth, fourth seerah class. Our fourth class on the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, and this one is all about battles. It's all about fighting and battles. Because there were some battles the Prophet ﷺ went through that were so important for Islam and for the Muslims. Now before we talk about these battles, we have to remind ourselves where we are in the story. Otherwise we get lost and we get all confused and we don't remember who we're talking about or what we're talking about. So we have to begin by reminding ourselves at this part of the story, in which city is the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam living in this, as we reach now to this part of the story? Yes, Habib. No, we finish with Makkah now. Maybe you didn't come last week. We finish with Makkah. Medina. Medina. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is living in Medina. And he has in Medina people around him who are Muslim. There were two tribes. But let's not talk about the tribes. There were people who came from Makkah. What do we call them? The people who came with him from Makkah or from outside of Medina, not necessarily from Makkah, but mostly from Makkah. They came with him and they lived in Medina with him. What do we call them? Very good. The, I'm, I'm with you on that. That's all of them. But I want just the ones who came from Makkah. The followers, yeah, all of his followers. But I want just the name for just the ones who came from Makkah. Yes, Anas. The Muhajirun. 
the Muhajirun, the people who came from Mecca. And there were people who were already living in Medina who became Muslim. What do we call those people who are already living in Medina? The Ansar. So, so far, you with me? We have the Prophet, وسلم, he's living right now in Medina, in this part of the story. And we have people who are Muslim in Medina, and we call them the Ansar. And we have people who came to Medina from outside, and we call those the Muhajirun. There were other people in Medina. Who else was in Medina who was not Muslim at this time? Who was not Muslim at this time? Who was in Medina at this time who was not Muslim? You don't have to remember their names, just tell me something about them. What religion were they? For example. Yes. No, Quraysh were in Mecca. We're going to come to Quraysh. Quraysh, they were in Mecca and they used to worship. What did they used to worship, Quraysh? Do you remember? Idols. They used to worship idols, statues. They used to worship all sorts of Things, trees and stones and all kinds of things. Who was in Medina, Habib? The Jews. The Jews, the Jewish people, they were in Medina. Ahlul Kitab, the people of the book. They were in Medina. Why were they in Medina? What did we say last time? Why were they in Medina? What were they in Medina for? Yes. Very good, excellent, mashallah, you remember exactly what I said last week That they were waiting for the Prophet ﷺ But they thought the Prophet ﷺ was going to come from them They thought he was going to be from their religion And then when it didn't happen They became upset and angry And they didn't accept Islam They didn't accept Islam So it's really important because the rest of this story will not make sense Unless we have got all these people in our mind. So who have we got in our mind? We've got the Prophet ﷺ in Medina. We've got the Muhajireen who came to Medina from outside. We've got the Ansar who were living inside of Medina. We've got the Jewish tribes who were living inside of Medina, but they didn't become Muslim. And we have who, who have we got in Mecca? Who is in Mecca? Which, which non-Muslims? Which Kuffar? What do we call them? Li'ilafi? Quraysh, Quraysh, Quraysh are waiting in Mecca Because the whole rest of this story will not make sense unless we know these basic things, okay? Okay, in the time in Mecca, how was the Prophet ﷺ? Was he in charge in Mecca? Was he fighting people in Mecca? Or was the situation different? When he was back in Mecca, you remember when we talked about the first and the second class? When he was in Mecca, how was the situation like? What were things like? Yes, Anas? Very bad and the Muslims were very weak. And the Prophet ﷺ was not in control in Mecca, was he? And they had to leave and they had to go to Medina. Okay. But when they went to Medina... Now who was in charge? Who was running? Who was in charge of Medina? The Prophet ﷺ. And the most of the people in Medina were what religion? Most of the people in Medina, what religion were they? Muslim. 
So Medina was now a Muslim country, like a Muslim country, Muslim city, but like a country. Yeah, like a country. It had the Muslim ruler, the Prophet was in charge, and most of the people living in the country were, were Muslim. So it was like its own, like its own Muslim country. And so things changed. And the way that the Prophet ﷺ was towards Quraysh, it changed. In Mecca, how was the relationship with Quraysh? How were things with Quraysh in Mecca? Very bad. The Muslims were very weak. So now they were in Medina, they had their own city. They had their own laws. So how did it change? Now the Muslims became stronger. And Allah gave them permission to do something that He never gave them permission to do before. What was that? What do you think? Power, right, good, very good. With power, what did He give them permission to do? He gave them permission to do something. To fight. To fight against Quraysh. And later on, to fight against the other people who were fighting against them. So the Muslims didn't have an army in Mecca. There was no army for the Muslims in Mecca. They didn't have an army. They didn't used to fight. If somebody used to hurt them, they just had to try to keep them away and be patient. But as you said correctly, in Medina, the Muslims, they had power and they were in charge. And when you have power and you're in charge in a country, what does every country have? Usually in that way, every country has an army. Every country has an army. So the Muslims were no different. They started to have an army. And who was their first enemy that they were looking for? Do you think they started with uh, fighting the people in Medina? Or do you think they started fighting someone else? What do you think? You still thinking? Okay, what do you think? There? No, that maybe that's like a, a big goal. Start with sim start simple. Start with something simple. Quraysh. And what do we know about Quraysh from our previous lesson? Where did Quraysh used to go every single year? Where did they used to go every single year? That happens to be right, Medina happens to be right on the road to towards Syria. And where is Medina? Right on the middle of the road to Syria. So what's going to happen with Quraysh? They're going to have lots of camels going past with lots of expensive things on them. And they're going to be going to and from Syria for their trade like we told you about in our second lesson, except now they're going to find someone waiting on the road. They're going to find the Muslims waiting for them. What was the goal of the Muslims? What did they want to do? Why did they want to fight against Quraysh? Because you can't just fight against someone for no reason, right? Why did they want to fight against Quraysh? We, do, does anyone think we should just fight for no reason? You have to have a reason, right? You have to have permission from Allah. Or can you just fight anyone you like whenever you want? What do you think? You think you have to have permission? What do you think? Okay, because they didn't believe 
in the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Okay, that's one thing. Number one, they didn't believe in the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But is that enough to fight them? I mean, the Jews in Medina didn't believe in the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but they didn't fight against them. What made them fight against them? Okay, very good. They had disbelieved in Allah. They had put the statues next to the Kaaba. Very good. What else do you think? They tortured the Muslims before. They started against them. They started. They started torturing the Muslims. They forced the Muslims to leave Mecca. They hurt them so much. Who was the first Muslim who died? Who was the first Muslim who died for Allah in Mecca? She was a lady. What was her name? The first Muslim lady, she died for Allah. Yes, Rahmah. No. Aisha didn't die until after the Prophet. Many, about 55 years after the Hijrah, roughly. Sumayya. Sumayya. Sumayya, she died in Mecca. And they couldn't defend, there was no Muslim, they couldn't defend anyone who was getting killed and hurt. But now in Medina, now they can defend themselves. But what was taken from them when they left Mecca? What was taken from them? Yes, Anas. Their families, their money, their houses, everything was left behind. So they wanted to get back what Quraysh took from them. And also they wanted to make Medina strong. Because if you lie down in front of the person who bullies you and you just give up and you just let them do whatever they want, what's going to happen tomorrow? They're going to come with a big army and they're going to attack you again and again and again. So now you have to stand up and fight for yourself. But the Muslims were waiting for permission from Allah. Because as Muslims we don't fight against anyone unless Allah gives us permission. And Allah gave them permission to fight against the non-Muslims. And so the Prophet ﷺ started to send out his armies. Sometimes he took part. And sometimes he didn't take part. And he was sending his armies out to try to attack the caravans of Quraysh. Do you know what I mean by caravan? I don't mean like a little home where six people sleep and you drag it along with a car. A caravan, I mean a big long trail of camels with lots of things with it. Lots of money, lots of people. They were going back and forward like a big, like we would call it a convoy today. That's what we would call it. We would call it a, a convoy. So a big convoy of Quraysh going to Syria and a big convoy of Quraysh coming back from Syria, and the Prophet ﷺ tried a few times to attack them. And the Muslims were learning how to fight together, right? That was another goal, to learn, because soon there's going to be a big battle, and everyone is going to have to fight. So you have to learn how to fight first, right? You can't just jump in there the first day. So they were also learning with each other. They were learning with each other, how to fight. I'm sorry if I'm not answering all of your questions today because we have a lot of battles to talk about, so I'm going to go a little bit quickly. So just, I will come back to you, don't worry. I won't leave you with questions. I will ask, but I'm, instead of answering questions all the time today, we have to go a little bit, a little bit quickly. 
So now we're going to talk about the very first battle. Remember, we're not going to talk about everything today. We're just going to talk about the main things in the life of the Prophet So the very first battle, and this happened after the Qibla change. Remember, the Qibla change for the Muslims. Which way did the Muslims used to face in prayer? Which place did they used to face in prayer? But you have to tell me why. You can't tell me just where it is. You have to tell me why did they used to face that way. Mm. I want someone different I want to hear someone different Which way did the Muslims used to face in prayer? It wasn't Makkah, it wasn't the Kaaba Which way did they used to face and why? The why might help you to figure out which way What do you think? They used to face Jerusalem, Al-Quds They used to face Jerusalem. Why? Why didn't the Prophet pray towards Makkah? We're Muslims, we have the Kaaba. Why not pray towards Makkah? Who gives me an idea? What do you think? No, Quraysh let them. They're in Medina now. In Medina, they're safe. They can face any way they want. Why did they face towards Jerusalem? Remember, Jerusalem from Medina is the opposite way, right? Mecca is south and Jerusalem is north of Medina. It's like the it's like complete opposite direction. Yes, Aisha. The Kaaba is more holy than Masjid al-Aqsa. The Kaaba is more important than Masjid al-Aqsa. You're right about, uh, you're right in a way. Go on, Anas. Very good. Nearly. You're nearly there. The answer is that the Prophet ﷺ, did he bring a completely new religion? No. He was another prophet after the prophets that came before. And so he didn't change something until Allah told him to change it. Where did the other prophets used to face when they prayed? Jerusalem. So he started facing Jerusalem and then when Allah gave him permission What do you think that the Jewish people in Medina used to say to him when he used to face Jerusalem? What do you think they used to how did they used to feel when they saw the Muslims that remember they are they saying we're following Musa. What did they used to say? What do you think they said? How did they used to insult them? What did they used to say about them? You're copying us. You're copying us. Why are you copying us for? You see, you don't even have your own direction to pray. You just pray like us. You're in the same direction as us. You're just copying us. But the Prophet didn't change. Until Allah gave him permission... And when Allah gave him permission right in the middle of the prayer while the Muslims were praying, they turned and they faced the other way. And there are even some masajid, you can see some masjid, you can see in Medina where there is two qiblas. There is an old direction and a new direction. But you have to be careful when you go inside the masjid, you don't face the wrong way and pray the wrong, pray backwards instead of forwards. Huh? So... The Muslims changed their prayer direction 
And it was after this that the Prophet وسلم, he heard that there was a caravan, there was a convoy, and this convoy was going towards or back from Syria. And it was led by Abu Sufyan. Now here, be careful, because there's a lot of people in this story who were not Muslim at the time, but became Muslim later. And one of them is Abu Sufyan. So don't, we don't want to speak anything bad about him, because he became Muslim later on. Does, is that, does that make sense? Like there are some people who we're going to talk about, like Khalid ibn Walid and Abu Sufyan, radiyallahu anhum. At that time, they were not Muslim, but later they became Muslim. So you kind of have to look at it two ways. You have to think about it, how it was when they were not Muslim, but you also have to remember they became Muslim later on, so you can't say anything, anything bad about them as people, but they were not fighting on the right side at that time. Abu Sufyan at that time, he was one of the leaders of Quraysh. He was bringing his caravan, his convoy back. And he got an idea that the Muslims were going to attack him because they had been attacking the caravans here and there. And when he saw the Muslims had left Medina, an army has left Medina, he panicked. And he sent a message to Makkah and he told them, bring everybody, we're going to have a big battle. We're going to have to have a fight. Because now they got scared. Before, they were the bullies, right? They were the ones who were bullying the Muslims and hurting the Muslims. But now the Muslims have got swords and arrows and shields and a few camels and some horses. Not many, but they have. So now the situation, what do they call it? They say the tables have turned, yeah? Everything has gone the other way around. I don't think that's probably not a good expression to use because it probably comes from something that's not allowed. So we'll scratch that expression. We won't use that. We'll say the situation turned around. The situation became different because now the Muslims have some army, they have some weapons, they have some soldiers. So Abu Sufyan started getting scared. Because like any bully is, isn't it? When, you, when you're the one in control, you feel really good. But then when the other person starts getting a bit taller, a bit bigger, a bit stronger, you start getting scared and you run away. So he tried to take his caravan a different way. And the army came from Makkah. And after a while, they had decided almost to go back. They'd almost decided that they were going to go, that they were going to go back. But Abu Jahl, who remember was the big enemy of the Prophet that one of the biggest enemies of the Prophet was called Abu Jahl. And he decided to push them on. And they ended up at a place called Badr. Now Badr is not inside of Medina. Okay? So you have to picture where Badr is. Badr is around, it's over 100 kilometers from Medina. It's not, it's not close. Maybe 70 miles or something. I mean, it takes over an hour to reach by car, to reach Badr from Medina. It's not, it's not close. And the Prophet wasallam, when he left and he went towards Badr, Quraysh they had in the region of a thousand people fighting, a thousand soldiers fighting for Quraysh. Can you guess how many the Muslims had? 
Now you know how many the Muslims had. Let's see. Let's see what people think who don't know. What do you think? 5,000. Okay. Maybe if we add the angels, we can get to 5,000. But not in the, not the Muslims, in the people only, not, the, not including the angels. Yes, Habib, what do you think? 3, not 3,000 less. You're too high. What do you think, Leila? 2,000, still too high. What do you think, Mu'ad? 300. I see, you knew the answer. 300 people only. Do you know how many horses the Muslims had, roughly speaking? If they had 300 men, they should have had what? 300 horses, what do you think? 150? What do you think? Lower. Lower. What do you think? Lower. What do you think? One. Bit higher than one. Double it. <laughs> two. They had around two and they had a few camels as well. When the Prophet ﷺ realized there was going to be a big fight in Badr, he turned to the Ansar. Who were the Ansar? They were the Muslims who were in Medina, who lived in Medina, who became Muslim. They were from Medina. And the Prophet was a little bit worried about the Ansar because they had made a promise to him that they would help him but they hadn't made a promise that they would fight outside of Medina. They made a promise they would defend Medina but they didn't promise, they hadn't made. I'm not saying they didn't do it, they just hadn't promised it. The promise wasn't that. Their promise was, we will defend you inside of Medina. Now where's Badr? Inside of Medina or outside? Outside of Medina, right? So now the Ansar, they don't have to go. But the Prophet only has 300 people. He only has 300 people. Remember, he wasn't planning for a fight. Originally, he was planning to do what? To attack the convoy and to take their things back. To take the things that the non-Muslims took from them. To take it back. So he wasn't planning to. He wasn't planning to have a big battle. So he took enough people to win the battle, but he didn't plan for over 1,000 people. He didn't plan for it. And when he realized, he turned to the Ansar to say, because they, they didn't promise. They promised we will defend Medina. They didn't promise we're going to fight in Badr. And he asked them. He asked them. You know, he looked towards them that what are you going to say? Are you going to... Are you, are you with us? Because I'm not going to force you Because it's not You didn't That wasn't our agreement That wasn't our promise So I'm not going to force you But they said Oh Prophet If you go into the sea We're going to go into the sea with you And not even one of us is going to stay behind And if you fight against your enemy we're going to fight because we are strong people And we know how to fight in war We're strong and we're brave They said go on Carry on Keep going Upon the barakah of Allah With the barakah of Allah Keep going We're not going to stay behind If you go into the sea We're going to jump in the sea with you So then he was happy that he knew that The Ansar were not going to Stay behind so they went out and in Badr they had to decide where they were going to stay 
They had to decide where we're going to stop, where we're going to stay. And they decided that they were going to stop next to the water. Because if they had control of the water, and remember, this is in the desert. And if in the desert you have control of the water, you're going to be drinking water and your enemy is going to be not drinking water. <laughs> your enemy is going to be thirsty. And the Prophet ﷺ spent the night praying and he asked Allah to give him help. Because if the Muslims died then, there wasn't going to be anyone else left. That was it. If the Muslim is going to die in that battle, that's it. There's no more, no one left to worship Allah alone. So the Prophet ﷺ, he made dua. And the battle, it started, and a lot of these battles started the same way. Do you know how they used to start battles in that time? They used to start it with one to one. One person against one person, not the whole army. They didn't used to start with the whole army. That was later. They had a style of fighting. What they would do, the armies would line up, each army in their place. They would fight in rows. Inna Allah yuhibbu alladheena yuqatiluna fi sabilihi saffa. Ka'annahum bunyanun. Marsus. Allah loves the people who fight in rows Like they were one building Close together And then one person would come forward And he would say who's going to fight me So then another person would come forward So three people from Quraysh They came forward They said okay who is going to fight us The Ansar stepped forward The people of Medina They said we're going to fight you We're strong, we're brave We're going to fight you They said we don't want to fight you we don't have any problem with you guys. Well, I don't know why you came in the first place. Why did you come to fight this battle? This is not your battle. We came for our cousins. Who do they mean? Now I have to be careful now. Who do they mean? The Muslims from Mecca. We say we don't want to fight the Muslims from Medina. We don't have any problem with you guys. Just stay where you are. We came to fight the people from Mecca. That's what we came to fight. And so they came and from the people who came was Ubaid ibn Harith and Hamza and Ali and they won, the Muslims won the, they won the fight against the three against three. One against one, against one, against one, three people and they fought and the Muslims won. Then after that what happens? The big battle starts and the armies clashed and the Muslims won a very, very big victory. Allah sent the angels Allah sent the angels to fight And the angels fought alongside the Muslims The angels fought, Jibreel fought Along with the Muslims And even though the Muslims were a very small number Allah settled their heart Imagine you only, for every one Muslim soldier There was at least three Quraysh, from Quraysh now, that's not, now you imagine a fight where you're fighting and the enemy is three times bigger than you. And they have more horses and more camels and more weapons. So you'd be scared. But Allah made the hearts of the Muslims strong and the Muslims defeated them. And the Quraysh, they retreated and Abu Jahl was killed. But the story of how Abu Jahl was killed is really interesting. Who do you think killed Abu Jahl? But don't put your hand up if you know. I don't want if you know. I want you to guess who might have killed Abu Jahl. He was the biggest enemy 
So obviously, maybe the Prophet ﷺ killed him, right? Do you think so? Who thinks maybe it was the Prophet ﷺ who killed Abu Jahl? Wasn't. Maybe Abu Bakr? Maybe Umar? If you know the answer, don't put your hand up. Do you know the answer? You're going to guess. Okay, go on. Good guess, Ali. Very good guess, but it's wrong. Abu Jahl was killed by two very small boys. By two very, very small, very small boys. Both of them were called Mu'adh. Mu'adh ibn Amr, Mu'adh ibn Afra. And these two little boys, they came to Abdurrahman ibn Auf. And they said to Abdurrahman ibn Auf, show us who is Abu Jahl. They're little boys. They said, show us who is Abu Jahl. He said, what are you going to do with Abu Jahl? Abu Jahl is a big monster. and He's going to fight. He's fighting the Muslims, a big enemy of Islam. He said, show us Abu Jahl. So he showed them Abu Jahl and these two, Mu'adh and Mu'adh. They came and they both struck Abu Jahl at the same time. And when they came back to the Prophet they were arguing over who, who got him in the end. And it turned out both of them did at the same time. And they killed Abu Jahl and Abu Jahl, even when he died, he didn't give up. He stayed up even when he was dying and he saw he's dying, he didn't accept Islam. He continued to say that his religion was right. But when they saw Abu Jahl die, Quraysh were spread all apart. Some Muslims died, six from the people of Makkah and eight from the people of Medina. But they got a lot of people prisoner. They were able to get a lot of the Quraysh became prisoner. So they had to decide, what shall we do with the prisoners? So there were some different ideas. Abu Bakr, he said, we should ransom them. Do you know what ransom is? Where you give up the prisoner, you send him back and you get money. You get money and you get, and you get like, so you kind of exchange them for money. Because the Muslims were needing, because the Muslims didn't have money, because they left their money where? In Makkah, right? So they had left all their money in Makkah, so the Muslims were needy. So Abu Bakr said, why don't we give them back? And what did Umar say? Yeah, why don't we get rid of them all? Why don't we get rid of all of them? So the Prophet had to make a choice. So he made a choice. He decided to go with the decision of Abu Bakr. And they ransomed them for a lot. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, between 1,000 to 4,000 dinar. Yani 1,000 gold coins to 4,000 gold coins. Wow. That is a big amount of money. Can you imagine that many gold coins? That's a lot of money. But what happened if they didn't have money? They had to do something. What was it? They had to teach 10 Muslims to read and write. They had to teach 10 Muslims to read and write, then they got to go. But Allah Azza wa sent down an ayah from the Quran and he told the Prophet that it wasn't the right decision. And the right decision was the decision that Umar made. So the Muslims learned for next time. You can't let them go like that. Why do you think you can't let them go like that? What what did what happens when you let them go like that? What what did it what what did it make happen? They're gonna come again for another battle. 
So Allah Azza wa Jal revealed in the Quran that it's not for the Prophet Sallallahu until he makes himself strong on the earth. So they went back and they were very, 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 very angry. Quraysh. Imagine they've gone from Makkah thinking that they're going to finish the Muslims. And they've come back with around about 70 of their soldiers had died. And the prisoners. And they lost their money. They lost all of those camels. They lost all of the things they brought from Syria. They lost so many things. Now they had to give it all to the Muslims. And the Muslims became more powerful now. So Abu Sufyan, remember Abu Sufyan later on is going to become Muslim, but he didn't become Muslim until now. Abu Sufyan was raging, he was furious. And he wanted to come back again to try, but this time with better weapons and better, bigger numbers. He wanted to come back again. After the Battle of Badr, the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, Ruqayya, she passed away, radiallahu anha. And she was married to which Sahabi? Who was Ruqayya's husband? Prophet's daughter, Ruqayya. She was married to who? Uthman. When she died, what happened to Uthman? Huh? Okay, he couldn't go to the battle. Then what happened to Uthman? Who did he marry? He married Um Kulthum, the other daughter of the Prophet ﷺ. He married, so he had married Ruqayya, and when Ruqayya died, he married Um Kulthum. He married another of the daughters of the Prophet ﷺ. And that's why Uthman, he had a nickname. He was called Dhunnurain, the one who had two lights. Because he married one of the daughters of the Prophet ﷺ, and when she died, he married, he married the other one. Now after Badr, something important happened. Remember who was living in Medina from the non-Muslims? The Jewish tribes. There was three Jewish tribes in Medina. And after every major battle, one of them left or got killed. So you can remember this. There was how many? There was three tribes, three Jewish tribes. After every big battle of the Muslims, something happened to one of them. So the first one was Bani Qaynuqar. And what happened was, after the battle of Badr, they started to not listen anymore. Because remember, they had agreement with the Prophet ﷺ that you can live in Medina, but you're going to respect us and you're going to behave. But what happened after the battle of Badr? They stopped behaving. And they started to show that they were ready to fight. To the point that they started a fight in the market and a Muslim died and then the Prophet ﷺ ordered the Muslims to go and fight against them. All three tribes? No, just one. Just the one who broke the rules. That was Bani Qaynuqa'a. They broke the rules. So they got fought against and finally they had to leave Medina. This one tribe. So how many tribes were left in Medina? From the Jewish tribes? Two. Yeah, one got kicked out from the three, Bani Khaynuqa'a, they went towards Syria and they died there. 
Now Quraysh are ready for round two. They want, they, they want to have another, another go at the Muslims. So this time, they prepared themselves. 3,000 soldiers and 300 camels and 200 horses. Who is going to be their leader this time? There's no Abu Jahl to be their leader. So who is going to be their leader this time? No, we're talking about the enemies of Islam. We're not talking about the Muslims. We're talking about the bad people. Who is going to be their leader? Apart from the shaitan who had run away in the Battle of Badr. You know shaitan ran away in the Battle of Badr, right? Yeah, he came in the shape of a man. Iblis came in the shape of a man. And when he saw the angels coming to fight, what did he do? Turned around and he ran away. When he saw the angels coming to fight, when he saw the Muslims, he was telling them, go on, go on, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to be alongside you. Then when he saw the angels coming to fight, he turned and he ran away and he jumped into the sea. And he ran away. So who was the leader of them? Not Khalid ibn walid Khalid ibn walid was one of the generals, but he wasn't. I mentioned the leader many times already. Abu Sufyan. Remember, Abu Sufyan escaped from the Battle of Badr. Remember, Abu Sufyan later became a Muslim. Okay, so don't get confused. So what happened? Abu Sufyan got 3,000 men and he got a couple of hundred horses, 300 camels and he decided, I'm going to go to Medina. I'm going to finish them now. This is the end of it. No more giving our gold. No more attacking our convoys. We're going to finish them for good. So this time the Prophet ﷺ was ready. And he gathered his army. But something on the way happened which was very... And his army was a thousand people. The Prophet ﷺ, his army was a thousand people. And they were better, they were better than in Badr In the means that they had more weapons, more, uh, you know, like For example, the horses and camels and everything, they had more But something very bad happened on the way What happened is the second Jewish tribe They were going out with them Or not exactly, but what happened was there was the Munafiqeen, who we mentioned, who were among the Jews who had pretended to be Muslim. And among them was Abdullah ibn Ubay. And what he did was, what did he do? Right on the way to fight, he turned around and said, I'm not going to fight. I'm going back. How do you think the Muslims felt then? When these guys turned around and went back, what do you think? Betrayed. betrayed, right? They felt very, very betrayed. They felt sad. You know, you had a thousand people, you're going to fight three thousand. Now suddenly your thousand is only seven hundred. So they had to find a place to fight. So they ended up fighting next to a huge mountain in Medina called Uhud. And Uhud is one of the entrances to Medina because Medina was a city that was very well protected. 
It wasn't easy to get into Medina. It's not like now it's a nice big road that goes in. Medina has on one side a harra, which is like a rock from volcanoes, like lava rock. It's very, very hard, and the horses and camels can't cross it. It's sharp. It hurts your you know, feet when you walk across it. So it was not easy for them to cross it. On the other side of Medina is mountains. You can't get past. But one way into Medina is from the side of Uhud, from one area. So they came towards Uhud and they camped at Uhud. Uhud is just outside of Medina. Actually, now it's inside of Medina, but at that time, it's just on the edge of, it's just on outside of Medina. And now I'm going to introduce you to someone else who was fighting for Quraysh. As you mentioned, Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu. And Khalid was a very, very good fighter. Remember Khalid later on is also going to become Muslim, even though in this battle he was fighting for the, the non-Muslims. But Khalid was very, very good at fighting. You know Khalid never ever lost a battle. Never. He was a very, very good person for leading his army. So Abu Sufyan was there and Khalid ibn al-Walid and others. They were decided they were going to fight against the Muslims and they were going to win this time. They had 3,000 and they even brought some women and children. Why do you think they brought some women and children for... What do you think, Anas? Yeah. So that they, they kept them there to make the fighters fight really well. Because see, look, your wives are watching you, your children are there. If you lose the battle, they're going to take your wives and children prisoner. So they kept there, even there, they kept people along with them. And, the, and at this time, the Prophet ﷺ, he had to, he didn't have very many people. So he had to come up with a plan of how he was going to protect the Muslim army. And he decided to use a, a small mountain. If you've ever been to Medina, you've seen the mountain of Uhud, it's huge. Like if you turn your head from the left to the right, you don't get to the end of it. It's a huge, big mountain. Next to that mountain in the middle, there's a little hill. The Prophet ﷺ put archers on that hill. Do you know what archers are? People who fire, the, fire arrows, right? They didn't have guns in those days. They didn't have tanks. They didn't have bombs. They had bow and arrow and swords, right? And spears. Those were the main weapons. The spears... Long stick with a little uh, pin on the end, uh, like a, a head on the end, pointy end. And they had arrows they fired from a bow. And they had swords. So on top of the mountain, who do you think he put on top of the mountain? The people with the swords? What do you think went on top of the mountain? The arrows. And he told them whenever the Quraysh army gets near, you fire your arrows at them. And whatever you do, don't leave the mountain. What was the instruction? Don't leave the mountain. Even if we win, don't leave the mountain. Why? Because he was worried. He saw that if they leave the mountain, it's possible for Quraysh to come around the side and get us and catch us from the side or from the back. So you always, when you have armies fighting, they're always worried about someone attacking them from the back. 
Even until today, when armies fight each other, they're always scared about someone attacking them from, from the back. Because you're looking at the front and you're pointing your arrow or your sword or your, these days, guns or whatever at the other soldiers. So what's going to happen if someone comes behind you in the back? It's going to shoot you in the back, right? So they were scared about that. So the Prophet ﷺ put the archers to stop that happening. Whatever happens, even if we win, don't come down from the mountain. In the beginning, the Muslims won the battle. They won the battle so much that Quraysh ran away. And all of Quraysh's money and their swords and their things were on the battlefield. So the Muslims started to do what? Collect it up and do what with it? What do you think they did with it, Rayyan? Yeah, share it out. The Prophet and the Muslim, the Muslim treasury, the Muslim Bayt al-Mal, they get a fifth of it and the rest is shared out among the fighters. Even the horses get a share. The horses get a share too. Yeah, because you, you need a share for the horses as well. Yeah, the horses get a share, but the horses, obviously the, the owner of the horses gets a share to look after his horses. So they started to share out the money. Then the archers were on top of the mountain. What do you think they started to think? They thought they had won. And if you've won, you don't need to fight anymore. So they put their bows down. Not all of them. Some of them stayed on top of the mountain. They said, we're not going to leave because the Prophet said, stay, we're going to stay. But some of them, they made a mistake. They said, look, we're winning. Look, they're giving out the money. Come on, go, go get your share. Let's go. Let's, we're finished now. There's nothing. The Prophet told us to stay during the battle, but the battle's finished now. But they didn't count on Khalid ibn al-Walid. Khalid was watching from the back. Few times Khalid was leading the horses. Khalid was on the was on the what they call the cavalry. He was he was with the, the horses. And he was watching. Very many times, I think three, four times, he tried to get into the back of the Muslims. Because remember, in the trust me, in armies fighting, they always try to get around the side, around the back. He tried to flank them, that's what they call it, to go around the side or around the back. So every time he went, the archers shot arrows and he couldn't get through. When the archers went down, Khalid still stayed at the back. He hadn't, he hadn't fought. He wasn't getting involved. He was trying to go, then come back. Try to go around, come back. Try to go, come back. Like that. When the archers went down, Khalid saw them. Remember, Khalid later became a Muslim, right? But at this time, he was not a Muslim. And he went for it. He took his horses and he rode very, very fast around the back of the mountain and he killed the archers who were on top of the mountain. Now who's on top of the mountain? Khalid. And who's with him? Quraysh. And what are they going to do from on top of the mountain? Shoot the Muslims from behind. Or attack the Muslims from behind. So now they came from behind... And they were able to attack the Muslims from the side and from behind. And the Muslims were not ready because the Muslims were giving out the, giving out the stuff. Yeah, they were not ready for it. And the Muslims went everywhere. They went all over the place. Why do you think that happened? What was the main reason that this happened? 
What was the main reason why the Muslims just got all confused and lost and the fighting was really bad and many Muslims ended up getting killed? What was the real reason for it? Yes, Simon, what do you think? They weren't prepared for it, good, but why? What? What did they, what was the mistake they made? What was the big mistake they made? They didn't listen to the Prophet And trust me, whenever you don't listen to the Prophet something bad is going to happen to you. That's the sunnah of Allah. And that's why the Muslims are in the situation they're in today. Because when you don't listen to the Prophet bad things are going to happen to you. So they didn't listen and Allah wanted to teach a lesson to the Muslims so they can learn. And from the people who were killed in the battle is Hamza. Hamza radiallahu anhu, the uncle of the Prophet he died. And he was killed by Wahshi ibn Harb who was an Abyssinian slave and he was very good with his spear. He was very good with her. With what? A spear. You know what a spear, right? You've seen a spear, long, a long pole with a sharp end. He was very good. And he was a slave. And the owner of Wahshi had promised him, if you kill Hamza, I'm going to let you go free. So he didn't get involved in the battle. He hid. He was sneaking. He hid. And he waited. And he waited. Until he got a chance and he threw his spear at Hamza. And even though Hamza didn't fall in the beginning, but finally he fell and he and he died, radiallahu anhu, the uncle of the Prophet, وسلم, he was killed. And 70 something of the Muslims were killed. Around 70 of the Muslims were killed. From them was Mus'ab ibn Umair. How, what did we learn about Mus'ab? He was the first ambassador in Islam, the first person to go and represent Islam away from where the Muslims were. He went to Medina as the representative of the Muslims, as the, how can we explain, the person who went on behalf of the Prophet like a messenger, to go to give the message of Islam in Medina. He went there and he died. Many of the very, very good Muslims, they died because of that, because of that mistake. And it got so bad that it came so close that the Prophet ﷺ nearly died. It came so close that his face was injured, his head was cut open, his tooth got broken. And I don't know if you've seen the helmets they used, have you seen the helmets they used to wear when they fought in the olden days? Metal helmets, and they have like metal chains that come down from the side, like a, it looks like a cloth. But it's a metal chain to stop you getting hit by an arrow or by a sword. The chain went inside of the Prophet's cheek. So I said, look, it got stuck inside the, the circles from it. It got, it got stuck inside of his cheek. And he got his face was cut. And there were just a small number of Sahaba around him. They were trying to keep away Quraysh. To the point that some of them were stopping the arrows with their hands. Can you imagine that? They even did drop their shields, they didn't have anything. And there were some of the Sahaba who with their hands, they were putting the arrow into their hand to stop it hitting the Prophet That's how close he came. That's how close he came to dying. 
that some of them were stopping the arrows with their, with their hands. And there were just a few people around him who were trying to stop. Sa'id ibn Abi Waqqas was one of them. He was the best at shooting arrows. He was the best at shooting arrows. Sa'id ibn Abi Waqqas, radiallahu anhu. And he was stood in front of the Prophet and he was just shooting as many arrows as possible. And a few people were just defending the Prophet And finally, the people, they came together. All of them, they came together. And I'll tell you how bad it was. They said that when Mus'ab, he was carrying the flag of the Muslims. That's another thing you have to understand when the armies used to fight back in the olden days. They used to fight with flags. Like a banner And all the fighting happens around the flag So the enemy is carrying their flag And sometimes they, they, they have more than one flag right? They don't just have one flag So they have like a few flags And the fighting happens around the flags So Mus'ab When he carried the flag And they, they cut his arm And he dropped the flag And he picked it with his other arm They cut that arm Then he picked it with his, like he, he put it, he, like, like he hugged it to himself. And then finally they killed him. So a lot of Muslims died because of that mistake that those people, when they went down from the mountain, but finally the Muslims came back together. Allah made their hearts strong again. The Prophet called them. When they saw the Prophet was alive, they got happy and they started to fight again and they were able to push Quraysh back. And the battle ended as a draw in the middle. A lot of Muslims were killed. Some people from Quraysh were killed. And nobody really won the battle in the end. So who won it in the beginning? The Muslims. Then Khalid ibn al-Walid, he got over on top of the mountain. And then the non-Muslims, they were able to almost kill the Prophet Almost. And when Mus'ab died... Mus'ab looked very similar to the Prophet in his appearance. So when Mus'ab died, what did they think? What do you think that Quraysh thought? They thought it was Muhammad. They thought that they killed Muhammad. But they didn't kill him. So finally, the Muslims came together and they pushed him back and it became, it became a draw. And now at this point, at this point, some of the Quraysh was Abu Sufyan. He heard, what did he hear? He heard that Muhammad is dead. So Abu Sufyan is thinking, that's it, I've done my job. But he knows the Muslims are still fighting because the Muslims don't give up. They didn't give up. They still fought. So he came and he said, is Muhammad with you? The Prophet ﷺ told them to Don't say anything Don't answer He said is Abu Bakr with you? Prophet ﷺ said Don't answer Then he said is Umar with you? Prophet ﷺ said don't answer Then Abu Sufyan He said that's it See we've done it We've killed all three of them We've finished them then Umar, he couldn't stay quiet. He said, O enemy of Allah, all of them are alive. 
He couldn't, he couldn't keep it inside. He tried to stay quiet, but he couldn't. Then he shouted out loud. And then Abu Sufyan, he asked Umar, by Allah, did we kill Muhammad? Umar said, by Allah, you didn't kill him. And he can hear what you're saying now. So Abu Sufyan realized that he didn't win the battle and they had to leave. And they left back to Mecca with, in the middle. They didn't lose, they didn't win. And they went back towards Mecca. What do you think the Muslims had to do at that time now? Sorry? What do you think? Well, the Muslims, they had a lot of wounded people, right? They had a lot of dead people. They had to bury the dead people. We call them shuhada Uhud. The people who died in Uhud. Had to bury them. But surprisingly, the Prophet ﷺ straight away, the very next morning, he sent them on another battle. And he didn't let anyone who stayed in Medina fight. Only the people who fought in Uhud. He made them go and fight again the very next day. Why do you think he would do that? Okay, for, to get like a revenge. Yeah, that's a good answer. To see if they understood the lesson they were taught the first time. You've learned a big lesson in Uhud. You've learned not to disobey the Prophet ﷺ. You learned a big, big lesson in Uhud. Now we're going to see. Have you learned your lesson? And also, so they don't lose their... So they don't become sad, right? The battle didn't go well. It wasn't what they wanted. These days we spread. We give it sometimes to you, sometimes to you. So... The Prophet ﷺ, he said to them, you go out, even if you're wounded, even if you're sick, even if you had a bad time in Uhud, you have to come. And they went for a battle called Hamra and Asad. But in the end, they didn't end up fighting. Now when they came back, what did they have to do? Remember what did we say is the rule? There was three tribes of the Jewish tribes in Medina. One of them went at Badr. Now the other one, number two, has to go. And this is the last thing we're going to do today. Then we're going to stop. We have to finish the battles next week. We didn't have enough time. We have too many battles left. We have to talk about Al-Khandaq. We have to talk about Fath Makkah. So we have too many left. The Prophet ﷺ saw that they betrayed the Muslims, first of all. But more than that, that wasn't what caused him to fight them. What caused him to fight them is that they tried to kill him. The Prophet ﷺ went to talk to them. About something important to do with Medina. And they said, okay, we'll talk to each other, just wait here. So while he was waiting... They sent someone up to the top 
to throw a stone upon him and kill him. A big heavy stone. Take it and drop it and to kill him. What do you think happened? Do you think they dropped the stone upon the Prophet ﷺ? What do you think? The angel Jibreel came with news from Allah to tell the Prophet ﷺ that they're going to do this. Then the Prophet ﷺ, he realized that we have to fight against them. And so he sent the Muslims all together to surround them. He gave them some time to leave. He gave them some time to leave. He said, okay, you have 10 days. You have 10 days to leave. If you leave in these 10 days, we will not hurt you. If you're still here after 10 days, we're going to fight you. So what do you think happened? They just left right after 10 days. The hypocrites came again. The people who left during the battle of Uhud, the ones who left before it started, they came, they said, why are you going to leave for? Why are you leaving for? Don't leave. We'll help you out. They said, لَإِنْ أُخْرِجْتُمْ لَنُخْرِجَنَّ مَعَكُمْ وَلَا نُطِيعُ فِيكُمْ أَحَدًا أَبَدًا وَإِنْ قُوتِلْتُمْ لَنَنْصُرَنَّكُمْ Wallahu yashhadu innahum They said, we're going to help you, we're going to be with you, we're going to fight with you, don't worry. And did they fight with them? Did they help them? Not at all, not even a little bit. They just said it, and finally, the Muslims surrounded them, and Allah Azza wa Jal spoke about it in Surah Al-Hashr. That Allah put so much fear in their hearts They even started to destroy their fortresses with their own hands When the Muslims burned down their trees and their date palms They got so scared They started to destroy their own houses And they all left Medina And they left Medina and they went to Khaybar And Khaybar was one of the places I think I said Tabuk last time but I meant to say Khaybar Khaybar was one of the places where there was a large group of Jewish tribes waiting for the Prophet. Why were they waiting in Khaybar? Because of a fruit. Which fruit? Dates. They were waiting for the Prophet in the place where there were dates. But obviously they realized that the place was Medina. Anyways, there were some of them in Khaybar and they left Medina and they went to Khaybar. Why is this important? Because we're going to hear in the Battle of Al-Hazab that the reason the battle of Al-Ahzab started is because they were in Khaybar and they started making trouble for the Muslims. So we're going to stop there and we're going to start next time at the battle of Al-Khandaq, the battle of the trench. The battle of the trench. But why did I want to stop there? You have to remember where we are so next time you can remember. The second Jewish tribe, Banu Nadir, they had gone to which place? They left Medina, they destroyed their houses with their own hands and they went to Khaybar. In Khaybar, they started causing problems for the Muslims. And they started raising an army. So you know when you get kicked out of a place and you know you lost your house and everything, you're upset, right? They were upset. So they started making plans that we're going to come back 
But they didn't have a big army, so how were they going to come back? What do you think? They didn't have an army. They were just a small tribe. Remember, there were three tribes in Medina. Banu Qaynuqa'a, Banu Nadir, Bani Khurayba. Now they've all left. There's only just a handful of their small number. So they don't have an army. So what are they planning to do? If you don't have an army, what are you going to do? Trick them. Excellent answer. We're going to have to go and find an army. So they started to go around all of the tribes of Arabia. And they started to go to Quraysh. They said to Quraysh, you see, look, we got kicked out of Medina. We're going to help you. They said, how are you going to help us? What are you going to do for us? You small number of people. They said, no, no. We've got friends, big friends. It's okay. See what you can do. Then they went to Ghatfan, a big tribe in the east. And they said to this big tribe, see, look, we want to fight with you in Medina, against Medina, against the Prophet in Medina. They said, what are you going to do? He said, well, look, we've got Quraysh, Quraysh on our side. So they played everyone against everyone else until they got a big, huge army of 10,000 people to attack Medina. Look, in the beginning it was 1,000. Then in the Battle of Uhud it was 3,000. Now they raised the army of 10,000 people to fight against the Prophet ﷺ in Medina from every place. So there was no friends left, every place. They came from Makkah, Quraysh. They came from the east. They came from the north, from every place. And they surrounded Medina. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next class. So we have to have battles, class number two, because we didn't finish. There's too much to talk about. To be honest, we're not given all the information. There's so many things we missed, but we just want you to get an idea about the life of the Prophet. Just we want to give you like a little bit of an idea so you understand how was life before Islam, what was life like in Mecca, what was life like in Medina, what were the battles like. Obviously, in the middle of these battles, what happened? Which we had... Uh, we had... Uh, Salah in Makkah, right? Started praying in Makkah. And Zakah came in the early days of Medina. Also in between these battles came fasting Ramadan. The fasting of Ramadan also. We said the change of the Qibla. Fasting Ramadan, the Zakah. But now we're going to talk after that about the battle of the trench. The Battle of Al-Khandaq, the Battle of the Trench. That's next time, inshallah. Okay, does anyone here have any questions? If I have any, I'll answer them. Yes. Uh, if I have any answers, I'll give you them. That's what I meant to say. Abu Sufyan. He became a Muslim, yes. Abu Sufyan was the one who came and said, did I kill Muhammad? Did I kill... Look at how people change. He was wanting to kill Muhammad, sallallahu and then a few years later, he's going to become a very good Muslim and a companion of the Prophet ﷺ. Khalid ibn al-Walid, he was the one going around fighting. Even Wahshi, the one who killed Hamza. Yeah, many, many situations changed for many, many people. And that's why Allah Azza wa Jal revealed,
that you, O Muhammad, you don't control the situation. It's not up to you who gets guided. It's not up to you who gets misguided. Whose decision is it who gets guided? Allah. It's up to Allah. It's not up to anyone else. So some of these people who fought against the Muslims, they became Muslim later on. They accepted Islam later on. What was your question, Ma'ad, you had? Yeah, sometimes they broke their fast If they were fasting in the war Sometimes they broke their fast And sometimes they, the, the war happened at the different time Not at the fasting time Yes, Habibu Yeah, their, their armor was made out of iron mostly And Allah revealed a surah about it which surah is revealed about iron? Come on. I can't read you the ayah because if I read you the ayah, you're going to know the name of the surah. Fihi ba'sun shadidun. Which surah was revealed about the iron they used to make their weapons out of? Who's memorized here? Uh, who has memorized here three Jews of the Quran? What's the surah then? وَأَنزَلْنَا Hadid. Okay, finally. Surah Al-Hadid. وَأَنزَلْنَا Hadid. We sent down iron. And Allah Azza wa Jal made it strong that they made their weapons out of it. But it was very heavy as well So it must have taken a lot to carry that chain mail You know, the armor was very, very heavy Because you imagine, you can't If, if, you're, if your enemy has swords You have to put something to protect yourself You have to put uh, armor You have to put metal Big metal plates Metal uh, rings Over yourself In fact, in the battle of Uhud They said the Prophet ﷺ put two One on top of the other he put two sets, one on top of the other, chain mill. So it's very, very heavy and they had to be very strong. Who else had a question before we finish? Okay. That's what Allah made easy for us to mention for this class and Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. Wassalatu wassalamu ala bin Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Jazakumullah khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share and you can visit muhammadtim.com.